right. So without any further ado, would you please help me to welcome Brenda Lise Bangochea. So the last time that I was up here, if you remember, I said how, you know, you know your church is like special when not one but both your pastors go out of town on the same weekend and then they ask like the crazy Puerto Rican on staff to do the sermon. But um, this time around, like, I don't know what to tell you because you're both right here, like sitting on the first row. They have like no shame that they work their way out of doing a sermon today. <laughs> But um, just all joking aside, I'm just really excited uh, to have this opportunity to share with you guys just all the wonderful things that God uh, is doing in family ministries here at Grace and uh, and the new vision that I feel uh, God has laid on my heart for this year. Um, And we'll also read just a little bit about what the Bible says about um, families. But before we do that, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much just for the privilege that it is to be standing here, Father. I just thank you for just how great it is, Father, that we can come together, God, and study your word and what you're trying to teach us, God. Father, I invite you to be here uh, this morning, Father. Just be in the midst of everything that will be said uh, this morning, Father, and that you open our hearts, uh, Father, as we study your word. And I thank you, and I love you, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last time I had uh, an opportunity to speak to you, I shared a little bit about my personal uh, journey and how I ended up living in the very cold D.C. area after having grown up in the very pretty, sunny Caribbean. Um, And I also shared uh, the really awesome way in which God called me from the corporate world into full-time ministry here at Grace. And I sort of ended there, so you may be assuming that because I'm sort of like the face of kids' ministry at this church, that I must have been like dying to work with children and like their sticky hands uh, (laughs) my entire life. And I'm sorry to disappoint you, but that just, it just wasn't the case. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love children, uh, but going from a corporate environment into working with kids, it just it wasn't the plan. Um, the truth is that I was so excited about working for Grace that had God called me literally to like a toilet cleaning ministry, I will have done it. I will have passionately committed to do pretty much anything as long as I got to be a part of what God was doing at this church. At every interview meeting I had, uh, Jen and Derek just kept telling me like how important kids' ministry is and how I was going to take most of my time, and I was scared. I mean, I kept telling them I'm really not a kids' ministry expert or anything close to that, but if this is what God wants me to do, I'll, I'll do my very best. I'll do it. But at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, like, how long can this thing take? Like, how big can it get? And I was so wrong. I was 110% convinced that God was calling me into ministry. But what type of ministry? I had no idea. Little did I know that, of course, in the super cool, unexpected way that God always works stuff out, he was going to give me just such a passion for kids' ministry and such a love and a burden for children and their spiritual growth that ministry has become the most fun 
and fulfilling part of my job and just a huge blessing in my life. It also accounts for a couple new wrinkles I noticed the other day, and like one random gray hair on this side, but it's all being so worth it. If you're here this morning and you're like me, single, and you're looking for like the nearest exit, uh, because you're thinking this has nothing to do with you, here's something I came across the other day. So let's read from Mark chapter 3, verses 33 through 35, and you can follow along in the back of your bulletin or up on the screen. Jesus replied, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, These are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will, anyone, is my brother and sister and mother. I read that, and the first thing I thought was, this is great. Like, my huge, like, laughing family isn't big enough. I have just acquired, like, a whole new set of family members. So please just take a second now, even if this is, like, awkward. Look at the person next to you and say hi. You are looking. You're looking at cousins and nieces and old uncles that you didn't even know you had. Pastor John has spoken several times about if we are nothing um, else at grace, we are a family. So as we talk about families this morning, I hope that you will not just think of your immediate family, but think of your new extended family that I have just introduced you to. (laughs) The Bible talks over and over about the importance of us knowing truth and loving God. And there are verses that right on the heels of that talk about how important it is to pass on that truth to the next generation. And Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6, verses 5 through 9 are the perfect example of that. And it reads, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away on a journey, when you're laying down and when you're getting up again. Tie them to your hands as a reminder and wear them on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I love that God paints such a clear picture of what we need to do And it's all about me pursuing him first with everything that I've got. But then the intensity that I feel comes across from the words in that passage when he's talking about passing it on to the next generation, I almost sense like desperation in God's voice. He's like, talk about them when you wake up and when you go to bed. Repeat them again and again. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your forehead. Write them on the doors and on your gates. I know what that looked like for the Jewish people of the time with a very discreet mezuzah like this one. You may have seen this before. It has a roll of scripture tucked inside, and you basically stick this to a door, and it's to remind you to share God's word with your children. But the mental picture translation of that that I get for 2009 is of like a really pretty house in the suburbs and then like with graffiti, like Bible graffiti all over it. 
Or when God says, like, wear them on your forehead, I can't help but think of, like, those crazy sports fans with, like, stuff written all over their face. To me, it's almost like God is saying, this is way too important for you to miss, and it's way too important for your kids to not learn about it at a young age, and I don't care if you and your house look crazy in the process of teaching this. So this is the lesson that I get from those verses and why I shall care even if I don't have any children yet. And this is the first filling your blank in the back of your bulletin if you're following along. And that's that truth is meant to be passed down to others. I shouldn't just hold on to truth without sharing it. When I find out about something great, in my case, like a sale at Ann Taylor, or like the fact that dark chocolate is actually good for your heart, like my immediate reaction is to let my family and my friends know. I make phone calls, I email, I update my Facebook status, anything to let others know about the important truth that I have just learned. And now that I have experienced really knowing the most amazing God and the way he has changed my life, I want to share that with others and that includes our children. The other theme that we see in the Bible as it relates to children is that we adults need to be like children. You've heard this before, right? Matthew 11, verses 25 to 26 read, Then Jesus prayed this prayer, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding the truth from those who think themselves so wise and clever and for revealing it to the childlike. Yes, Father, it has pleased you to do it this way. I have noticed how the older I get, the more I forget to stay childlike, like the Bible says. And the older I get, I keep thinking I'm getting smarter when in reality, we're just getting more complicated. But all it takes to remind me of how simple life should be is a very brief conversation with my four-year-old, Stella. She's my niece, not my daughter, my niece, Stella, who doesn't understand why it's such a big deal that her mom won't let her get on a plane by herself to come here to D.C. and have dinner with me just for a few hours and then just turn right back around and go back to Puerto Rico after we, like, eat together. And I told her, I don't understand, like, what the big deal is either. <laughs> but, or sometimes I just need, like, a brief reminder of childlike faith, like I got last Easter Sunday, just right here at Grace, when as soon as I opened the door to the preschool class, this little girl told me, I saw the Easter Bunny this morning. And I was like, of course you did. I mean, what else was I supposed to say to that amazing display of just blind faith? It's so interesting to me that that verse we just read says that God has not only planned to not reveal the truth to those who are not like children, but he's actively hiding it from them. And that sounds crazy to me, that God is hiding something on purpose from people who are not children or childlike. So I don't know about you, but I just want to hang out around kids as much as I can so I don't forget how to stay childlike. So here's the reason number two why I shall care. And that's because to know truth 
and I think we have a fill in the blank. It's to know truth, I need to stay childlike. We recently had a meeting with the parents and the teachers here at Grace, and we talked about how exciting it is that the ministry has grown so much, especially in the past year. We have about 100 children, uh, ages like 0 through 12 grade, here at Grace, and about 80 of those on any given Sunday. And we don't measure growth in numbers, although I do count bellies, like on Sundays to prepare for the nursery. Um, but bellies, pregnant bellies. She's having a hard time over there with my accent and all this stuff. Like, But we measure growth by, and you may not see them, especially if you come to the second service, you don't see when they get dismissed during the 930 service. But trust me when I tell you that it is crawling with kids behind the scenes. And we don't measure growth in numbers, but we see that the kids are learning. They're having fun. They're excited about coming to church. Some of them are just excited about, like, the cookies and the donuts at the hospitality table. But the important thing is they are excited about coming to church. Grace is committed to teaching the kids about who God is. We have a small army of volunteers that come prepared to teach every Sunday. It takes 25 volunteers every Sunday to run the family ministries here at Grace. So we work very hard at it, and we get your kids for like 30 or 60 minutes. And, you know, then we say, okay, goodbye, and here's your very cute kid back, and have a good week. And that's good, right? There is nothing wrong with that. It's what churches do. But then I also know that you families out there are doing great things with your families at home. You're doing your very best to teach them about God's love, teach them right from wrong, doing devotionals with your kids, staying involved in your teen's life, teaching them about the life lessons that we can learn from the Bible, and so forth. And that's great. You know, that's what families are supposed to do, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But for the past 10 months, I've been thinking and, and reading and studying, and I felt like God was moving in a certain direction, and we needed to somehow jump to where he is moving. It seemed that every book and every Bible verse I came across and every conversation I had was hitting me with the same message. And I couldn't put that message into words until earlier this year when I went to this conference, uh, and it was called the Orange Conference. All I knew about this conference was that it's supposed to be the best, and you should go, and by the way, you're leaving tomorrow night. So I get there, and I was so confused. There were a bunch of, I don't want to say freaks. There were, like, kids ministry people from all over the country. And they were wearing, like, orange shirts and orange, like, scarves. And I even saw a pair of orange heels. And I was so annoyed the entire first day because I, I didn't get it. I had no clue what was going on. Later that day, I learned what it was all about. And it put into one word, orange, all the random thoughts that I felt God had been laying in my heart. So you know how you have the color red, and red is great, and it's wonderful, and you can do great things with red. And don't get lost, but then follow me. Then you have yellow, 
and yellow is awesome, and it's pretty, and you can do wonderful things with yellow. Um, but what happens when you combine red and yellow? Orange, thank you. So then you get orange, and you get this whole new world of possibilities of things you can do with orange that you call them do with either red by itself or yellow by itself. And in the same fashion, we at Grace have a kids' ministry, and it's wonderful. And here we are, we're trying our very best, and we're working, 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 and we're teaching the kids as much as we can in, in one hour a week. And then you families go home, and you're doing your very best to teach your children, and you're stuck with them like day and night, and you're doing your very best to help them grow spiritually. But just imagine what will happen if instead of us working separately, if we started working together, just the church and the families together. I can't help but get excited thinking about the amazing power that will result if we as the church stand shoulder to shoulder with you, the families here at Grace, with the power to influence that you have and start working with the same strategy on how to teach the kids to have a personal relationship with God. What amazing things will happen if we start moving from just like a kids ministry mentality to a family ministries mentality. So all the changes you have recently heard about and all this madness about like grace going orange at the beginning of the month um, and we have acquired a new curriculum um, that provides a plan for parents to continue the Sunday lessons we do here to continue them uh, at home during the week. We have created new classes to have a better breakdown of ages. So all the stuff we've been doing is with the end goal in mind of being partners with the families rather than churches and families working separately. You will soon start hearing about new events and opportunities we'll be creating to support you as you help the children in your life grow. I want to read some verses that I recently discovered, and you may have seen this before, but this is from Psalm 78, verses 2 through 8. So, so we'll teach you lessons from our past, stories we have heard and know, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide this truth from our children, but will tell the next generation of the glorious deeds of the Lord. We will tell of his power and the mighty miracles he did. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, that they in turn might teach their children. So each generation can set its hope anew on God, remembering his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. This verse is all about families, not churches, passing down the truth about what God has done. God is so passionate about this concept of passing down truth that he says on that verse he wants even the children not yet born to know them. And I don't know how you do that other than looking crazy, reading the Bible to some woman's belly when she's pregnant, but that's the mental picture of the sense of urgency God seems to have whenever he speaks about this. I am not done playing the role that the church plays in the spiritual development of children. 
the church does play a very key role. But moving forward, we want you to see us as a resource, and you families at home are the ones who are really holding the ministry. The church will guide you in your spiritual walk so that in turn you can guide your children. Because the truth is, you have way more influence and way more time at home with your children than we do. And here are some eye-opening stats that I wanted to share. These are the top six most significant uh, religious influences. And I think we have a slide. There we go. And I didn't make those up like the stats John just talked about. This is valid, like, research. <laughs> um, but so here are the top six. I'm sorry. <laughs> here are the top six um, significant religious influences. Top two, mom and dad. You're right there. You're the top influence on your kids. Then come grandparents. Like I tell my mom, your job is not just to like spoil my nieces and nephews. Like you can actually teach them something. The f number four is another relative, and that's me in that category, like the fun aunts and fun uncles out there. Number five is siblings, and number six are friends. And just for fun, do you know who was number seven on the list? pastor <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh <laughs> but then I read stuff that it's not so funny like 61% of people in their 20s had been churched at one point during their teen years but are now spiritually disengaged i.e. they're not actively attending church not reading the Bible and not praying and even if you gave that like a crazy 10% error margin, that's still half the kids in church walking away from their relationship with God in their 20s. Several months ago, I was at the office just literally just staring at the wall, thinking about all this stuff, and like it hit me. I had a huge revelation, and this might not be a revelation to you, but it was a big revelation to me, so I got all excited. And I got up from my desk looking for someone to talk to. And everybody at the office was, like, busy, so no one was available. It's uh, a Peely. So I go to her, and I said, okay. So we go to our community groups, and it seems like most of us are sharing, like, the same testimony. We go to groups like the ACTS experience, and it seems like I'm hearing the same personal story over and over again. And they all go something like this. It's like, well, I grew up going to church about three times a week, and then I went to college. Or, you know, I, or in my own personal case, it's like I grew up going to church, made it through college, and then I entered the corporate world. So then here we are in our 30s, or whatever age you are, kind of picking up the pieces and dealing with the hurt and the consequences for, of our actions from that period of time when we were not walking so close with God. So I asked Billy, and here is my big revelation moment. I said, what was it that I didn't learn in all the years growing up in church that could have kept me and you from walking away with God later on in life when we were on our own? Because whatever that thing is, that is what we need to be teaching the kids of grace. What is it? And I realized that the answer to that question 
at least for my own personal life, was that had I had a solid personal relationship with God before I set set out on my own, not just like all this head knowledge of God, not just a super loving Christian environment like I had growing up, but had I fallen in love, not just known, but falling in love with this amazing and perfect and unbelievable God that is way cooler and way more amazing than anything I have ever known or heard about or read about. A God that has created billions of galaxies just for fun. A God that the Bible says knows every strand of this like crazy out of control here. A God that has such a ridiculous love for me That even after I mess up, time after time again, he still makes a way for me to be clean and pure so that him and I can hang out in heaven for eternity. Had I fallen in love with God like that at that level, at a much younger age, rather than now, later on in life, I don't think I won't have been so easily swayed by the stuff of this world. So here's the main thing that I want to communicate to you this morning, and this is in the back of your bulletin. Please invest in a deeply personal relationship with God. Just pursue falling in love with God. And by extension, your children and your students and your siblings and your nephews and your friends' children and your grandchildren, they're all going to learn that. I shared a few weeks ago how I grew up in a very loving but pretty conservative Christian home And Pastor Young was talking a a couple of weeks ago about how sometimes we hold either truth at any expense or we are all about grace, and how do we learn to hold both of them together in a balanced way? I am completely a child product of 90% truth and 10% grace. And as I started to study the Bible on my own and learning more about God's grace, I secretly started resenting my family and the church I grew up in for not teaching me what I have now come to find is an amazingly loving God. I started feeling that had I grown up with a better sense of God's grace, I wouldn't have gone in hiding in shame when I sort of fell off the wagon in my 20s, thinking that there was no way that the God I had heard about growing up will forgive me or take me back. I read the book Crazy Love about a year ago, and the author wrote, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, I have now realized that it's not that I grew up with an incorrect image of God. I grew up with an incomplete and narrow idea of who God is. And reading that just immediately clicked with me, and it gave me so much peace And any feelings of resentment that I had for my parents because of my strict upbringing or any resentment I felt for the church I grew up in, I brought them before God that day, and at that very moment, they completely went away. If you're wondering why on earth are you sharing this story with me, this is why. Here's reason number one. If you're here this morning and you're now feeling overwhelmed, because you feel like you first need to meet this impossible standard and get all your stuff right with God before you can start helping anybody else grow spiritually, please don't. 
The enemy wants nothing more than to see us not even try. The great thing about God is that he uses both the church and the family. Both are completely imperfect entities, and he still uses both of them to show his power. As you grow in your own personal walk with God, you will be able to slowly start pouring into a child's life. For me personally, the reality is that I am deeply thankful to my parents, and I owe everything to the love and even the all-truth-not-so-much-grace knowledge that they poured into me. I am blessed that I had a stable Christian home environment growing up, and that even with that incomplete vision of God, I understood from a very young age that there was an amazing God out there who was caring for me, and I knew I wanted to get to know him better, and I wanted to do what pleased him. And, you know, at the end of the day, I read stuff like Romans chapter 8, verses 38, I'm sorry, and 39, and it reads, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't, and life can't, the angels can't, and the demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we are high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I've read that passage about a thousand times before, but only recently I realized that, guess what? That applies to children as well. So parents, I hope you find comfort in knowing that as long as your heart is in the right place and you are truly seeking God and earnestly seeking to do your best to help your child grow spiritually, there isn't much you can do to mess that up. And there isn't much I can do to mess it up. Because at the end of the day, God loves that child. And even when we mess up, nothing, absolutely nothing, is going to separate that child from the love of God. And here's the second reason why I'm sharing this story. If you're like me and you grew up in like an old truth home, or maybe you grew up in like an old grace, anything goes house, and you may be at some level, maybe you may be resenting that because you are now as an adult just starting to grasp a more balanced and complete picture of who God is, and you're just now trying to get your spiritual life back on track, I want to encourage you to just give all that to God this morning. The good news is that God is not really intimidated by our mess. And as a result of you bringing that to God this morning, I hope that you will then be excited about just getting out there and making it better for the next generation by sharing the truth about who God is. I want to invite you to make a commitment this morning to first just seek God with everything you've got. And then I hope you'll make a commitment to passing that on to the young people in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much, God, that we get to live in a place where we can not only openly study your amazing word, but we can actually pass that on to others, God. 
We thank you so much, God, that you're so passionate about your love for us, Father. And, um, and just, I just pray that you'll continue to give us just a spirit and a desire, Father, to just pursue you, God, which is everything we've got, and just to love you, God. Father, I just want to pray for a special blessing on each person here this morning, God, especially the parents and the families and the children here at Grace. And um, I just thank you, God, and I love you, and I pray these things in your name. Amen.